Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 112, The Ho-Hum Book, recorded November 12th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to talk a little bit, anyway, about the new Chromebook, and as you might have guessed from the title, we're not all that impressed, but uh, we, uh, we talked with Jaime Jamie, Jamie Cassip, a while back. Uh, of the Chromebook project, and uh, we've uh, been, uh, I don't say that we were uh, fans of it, but we were certainly uh, willing to uh, give the Generation 1 Chromebook a good hard look, so we're going to do the same for the Generation 2, but generally speaking, my opinions have changed about Chrome OS in general, and uh, here to to uh, be the, uh, I don't know, I was going to come up with something creative and I just couldn't, here's Sean, hi Sean Keibel. Hey, thanks for that wonderful uh, introduction, Mark. I, I, I had some, I'm, I'm, my brain was going somewhere, and then it just careened off the edge and just couldn't make it. All right, all right. Well, um, uh, Mark, I wanted to start us off with uh, something maybe fairly near and dear to your heart. I uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, our own, very own football team, uh, the Warriors. Okay have gone undefeated, and will be heading into the playoffs. They have a first-round bye, as a matter of fact. They're ranked, uh, depending on the poll, either third or sixth in the state. Wow. Didn't know if you had heard that, but it's uh, something that for our little neck of the woods is uh, very rare. It helps to drop down from 2A to 1A. Yeah, it definitely does. Definitely <laughs> does. And that's, uh, that, that certainly helped us. But, you know, we've been there for, what, two or three years now? and. Uh, hadn't had that kind of success. So. That's that's awesome. Uh, uh, undefeated. But yeah. so, will they play twelve games at high school level? Is that right? Oh no, no, they only play uh, ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah, yeah ten. You said, oh no, like I was a million miles. I was off by two. Right. Right. Well, but uh, yeah, and, and I mean, the games have been, you know, for the most part, blowouts. You know, fifty-two to seven, and. Uh, along that line uh, as a matter of fact the season as cool as it's been to be undefeated uh, the games have been kind of boring to watch because you know we <laughs> and I mean really it, it we jump out to like a you know 48 point lead at half and then the coaches you know it's like play all the freshmen yeah, put in the JV right <laughs> so, the announcer's going another warrior touchdown oh, right. um, in other so, news but, uh, you know, if you uh, and I'm not sure how it is in all of the other states out there, but uh, high school football is big in Texas. Indeed. So uh, when you're when your local team is doing well, it's a very big deal. So that's how I feel when I watch the Cowboys. They're so dominant. I mean, it's like, you know, they scored again. Oh, um, you know, another <laughs> 75 to three blowout. Oh, yeah. Um. You have a time machine, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually watching tapes from the early 90s. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's jump right into uh, this week's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this week's news. Um, I, I thought I found something out there that I thought was pretty interesting, and this is an interesting race, Mark. I don't know if you've been uh, keeping an eye on this at all, but the world of supercomputing. Uh, there's. It seems like. I don't want to say all these teams, but it's like all these colleges and organizations that are making these supercomputers, and we have a new number one supercomputer this, uh, I guess, this week or this month, whatever, uh, Titan, and uh, it jumps 
to the number one spot. It's from the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee. And uh, Mark, this computer computes at 17.59 petaflops per second. Per second. Now, petaflop, for those of you who don't know, a flop is uh, a million operations per second, I think it is. I think that's sure. right. <laughs> I, let, me, let, me, let me Google that. Peta flop. Maybe, maybe the uh, chat room can help us out there, but yeah, 17.59 petaflops per second. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Floating point operations per second. So it's one operation. All right, okay. So a flop, a flop is not a, a number. So that's one uh, mathematical operation is a single flop. Now a peta flop. Um, let's see. So it goes uh, uh, giga tera peta. So it's uh, it's a million, a thousand teraflops, which is yeah, a lot. Right, right. Um, what's you know kind of interesting about this is the way that uh, this whole world seems to be kind of transitioning, and they're going from uh, they're they're making a move towards GPUs using GPUs as processors. And uh, so this one uh, uses, I guess, primarily uh, NVIDIA graphics processors uh, to do this. And then it has some, I think they were AMD processors as well, and they're regular AMD processors. And I'm guessing a lot of them. I'll just say that. I, I don't remember them actually saying how many processors were in this thing. But, um, but you know, they use it for things like modeling weather and, and stuff like that. So, um it's just, it, I don't know, that area of computing just always amazes me because they're making such huge jumps. And, uh, you know, I'm a big uh, Ray Kurzweil fan. And so every time I see this stuff, I think back to, you know, the things that he predicts in the future. Well, what's interesting about those things is, uh, you know, the the Titan supercomputer, because they're using uh, GPUs instead of CPUs, they have the uh, the very constrained instruction set. So they can do... Uh, what is that? A quadrillion uh, floating point calculations per second, but because they're using that architecture, it takes more operations to do anything. So it's really it's a it's a spec war. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. A petaflop is freaking amazing, um, but they're trying they're playing tricks with the numbers. They're trying to get the the maximum number of calculations, not necessarily the maximum amount of work done. It's an interesting uh, little race there. Right, right, and that that's kind of uh, I think kind of goes toward uh, some things that Ray Kurzweil goes after when he's you know doing his uh, you know trying to predict the future so to speak. But uh, and he talks about you know computers that could calculate every molecule in a storm and exactly what they're going to do and you know so uh, and we're going to need that kind of processing power to make. Uh, antimatter uh, or matter energy transporters possible, you know, because we're going to have to, before you can beam me up, you got to know where every atom in my body is and where it's headed. So that's important that we're moving that direction. That's right. Yeah. We, and we should have phasers soon, I'm sure. So that's, yeah, I that's, don't know. Hey, that reminds me, uh, just recently I saw a, um, and I'm not, I'm not one of these types of geeks, but uh, I saw a, a uh, documentary on Netflix, and it was produced by William Shatner, and uh, it's called Get a Life. Oh, I love that. I've seen it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I okay. I officially now, after watching that, I, I get the whole Star Trek thing. I mean, I'm still not a Trekkie, 
but I get it at least. And uh, it was it was a really great one. So if you if you haven't seen Get a Life, the documentary, it's uh, it's about the Trekkies and them going to conventions and all this kind of stuff, and uh, sort of the the family atmosphere that that uh, exists in that world. Uh, that was pretty cool. And they had Captain Dave. Do you remember Captain Dave, Mark? Uh oh yeah the the wheelchair guy yeah 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 the kid in the wheelchair uh so that was uh, that was really sad but. Uh, anyway, so as we were talking about phasers and, and transporting, uh, I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, uh, along the same lines. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all along the same lines, but vaguely within the wheelhouse of this show because it sort of kind of has to do with education. Yes, right. I, I came across this uh, this week and thought it was interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard it before, but it seems to be a fairly big movement that uh, schools are kind of moving away from teaching cursive handwriting yeah it's it's, and not only that but uh my i have children in in fourth and third grade and they're not even teaching um how to read script fonts at this point uh when i was in third grade we were talking we were doing cursive that's when i learned to to write cursive not only are they not teaching that they're not even exposing them to the the heavily script serif fonts uh i Showed something uh, to my daughter the other day that was uh, I don't I don't remember what the word was but it was written in a cursive font and she couldn't read it. Yeah, um, and that just blows me away because yeah I have memories of that time too you know third fourth fifth grade whatever uh, that was like a period of instruction was lettering those letters and yeah. how to put them together and everything uh, so and, I, you and know Pete, Pete in the chat room says do they t- still teach how to read analog clocks yes. That's still on the curriculum. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not. Uh, but it, it's, it's interesting because that's the world we live in now. And, you know, the, the story uh, that I read talked about how it's actually been in de- decline since the 70s, uh, which seems a little surprising to me because uh, I, did anything change in the 70s that really? Uh, bra burning, but I'm not sure how that's related. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, but either way, I mean, for today's kids, yeah, Mark, you, your kids, my kids, uh, yeah, it's a waste of time, essentially. Uh, now, what I do like about this article is the schools that are doing that, they're replacing that with keyboarding, which completely makes sense to me. Um, but then that starts to beg the question is, yeah, why are schools, there are schools that are still out there teaching cursive writing and probably well, not keyboarding. I'm okay with teaching it, but put it in an art class because it's now it's now relegated to the artist the calligrapher and there's still going to be for a long time there's going to be a call for that and a need for that but um it's not going to be in everyday use when i was in the eighth grade i think it was um i was asked by my teacher to print because my penmanship was so terrible Um, i was i was writing in cursive i was handwriting and i was asked to stop um I can I can attest to that that yes. it's not gotten any better either. No, it's terrible. It's gotten worse because I don't write. All I do is type or now nowadays with my phone I I swipe. So I'm not even doing that. So yeah, it's even worse than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, uh just have it have anything to do with anything, but I, I tend to write small and I had a uh I don't remember what it was for, but I was in the ninth grade and my teacher was transcribing uh typing something I had handwritten. And um she got exactly the same number of letters on a typed page 
that I got on a page of single rule paper writing. So my my handwriting is exactly the same size as your average typewriter. I write pretty small. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And then when they're kind of, it's kind of hard to discern what some of those letters are. It, may, it makes it really difficult. <laughs> yeah. One of the teachers I used to work with uh, saw me writing one day and said, you know, if you were my student, I'd have you in remediation for that. <laughs> Uh, well, um, Mark, on to the next, uh, the next item here. Uh, seven U.S. Navy SEALs have been officially reprimanded for giving up classified secrets or classified information. Don't tell me. On Facebook? No. Okay. To Electronic Arts to help them develop the new game Medal of Honor Warfighter. So, uh, you know, basically EA... Uh, I kind of hired these guys on the side to act as advisors for the development of their new game. Uh, they market the game basically saying that, you know, uh, current and uh, retired uh, U.S. Special Forces helped in the development of the game. So they market it that way. Uh, well, these seven U.S. Navy SEALs uh, have been re reprimanded. And by reprimanded, I mean uh, they're given what in the military we call office hours. So uh, it's it's... It's not quite like a court martial, but they lost a couple months worth of pay. They got forfeited a couple months worth of pay, and um, not nearly as much as they were paid by United Arts, I'm sure. Well, probably not. But here's the thing, though: is when you get office hours like that, uh, if you're a career military guy, your career's over. Uh, you will not be promoted or either that or, you know, maybe you might be able to stay in and stick it out to get your 20 years in, but any hopes of having a stellar career and being uh, quickly uh, promoted up the ranks uh, are, are shot. So it's actually kind of sad and, uh, you know, uh, revolving right here around Veterans Day. Uh, it, I don't know. Just seemed like a sad story to me. I hate to see guys who... Uh, several of which uh, even the Navy said uh, were on SEAL Team 6, which SEAL Team 6 is like the elite, you know, of the elite of all the SEAL teams. SEAL Team 6 are the guys. They're the guys who actually went in and took out bin Laden. Um, so you, you think it just never occurred to them, hey, somebody might not like it if we if we do this? Yeah, I... I mean, obviously, they could have used better judgment. I know when you're in the military, having a second job is not illicitly or is not illicit. Let's just say that it's not specifically forbidden uh, to have a second job, but it's certainly looked down on. Generally, you do, depending on what uh, unit you're with. Uh, most units will require that you get prior approval before you even get a, a, a side job. So, yeah, I think these guys probably knew better. Uh, and the fact that they did it on the side and maybe thought that they weren't going to get caught or something. I mean, um, yeah, not exactly a smart move on their part, but I just, I hate seeing guys of this caliber, you know, military members of this caliber having their career ruined over it. So would it have been okay if they were retired? Cause you hear movies all the time, you know, have, have some, uh, former special forces advisor. Is it the problem just that cause they were active duty? That's it. Exactly. Yes. Um, uh, because they have, and you know, uh, there's, you're right. There's been a ton of prior military guys who have advised, uh, as a matter of fact, there, uh, recently was, uh, a former member of seal team six 
who was on the Bin Laden uh, team again, and uh, he's now out of the military, but he wrote a tell-all book about that operation. And the Department of the Navy, I think just in trying to scare him, said that they were going to sue him if he published the book. Uh, he went ahead and published it anyway, and so far nothing's happened to him. So, you know. Yeah, because you, you do give up a certain amount of your rights. You agree to that when you're in the service, but you get them back when you leave. Yeah, yeah. Once you go, um, yeah, they really can't hold anything over you. Um, of course, if you're, you know, if you're out there giving away the wrong type of secrets, you can get yourself in a heck of a lot yeah. of trouble. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's a line they, I guess, uh, choose to court. Uh, you know, if I was on the SEAL Team 6 Bin Laden team, uh, I'd be real careful about what I wrote and didn't, you know, didn't write in there. Uh, at least none of them are wanted for murder in Belize, so that's something. Yes, that is true. That is true. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, Mark. Um, uh, were you aware of this story? No, I had heard it, yes. Yeah, so John McAfee, yes, that McAfee, the guy who made such made a fortune off of uh antivirus and i titled this and mark you'll have to correct me if i'm wrong because i really you i know you know this history i don't uh i put uh that karma sucks and my thinking is because it, it crapware with check boxes that make you install more crapware <laughs> if that's what you're going to do with your life then uh maybe you deserve to have the uh the police police looking for you for murder. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm pretty sure they're not after him for the antivirus. I think they're after him because they think he killed somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're looking just a little bit harder, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's almost, um, commonplace. The, the guy who has money and power thinks he can do anything. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know anything about any facts, but that's kind of, the 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 uh impression i get from this he felt like he was invulnerable yeah um it's it's pretty amazing so uh the the story is kind of sketchy I, and of course i guess they're still uh investigating it but uh apparently john mcafee didn't get along very well with his uh his other expatriates uh so there, i guess there's maybe a uh neighborhood down there that's full of uh, ex, you know, Americans that have moved down there or something, but, um, him and this, uh, this neighbor, uh, and, uh, Gregory fall, uh, were constantly at each other. I guess they didn't like each other. Well, this Gregory fall guy ends up, uh, with a bullet in his head and they can't find McAfee. And, uh, basically he's their prime suspect. Um, and I think it was, uh, Pete, Pete PKU in the chat room, uh, said, uh, you know, what about, you know, it's amazing about all the drug stuff. Uh, if you read the article and we'll have that in the show notes, uh, he's really gone off the deep end. I mean, he's like not only into drugs, he's like trying to develop his own new drugs. So, uh, he's really, uh, he's really gone out there. Yeah. He's working on something he called super perv powder. Um, right. that's designed to make women hypersexually active. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, uh, he has made, I guess it was blog entries. I don't know what it was, uh, about plugging and, 
um, let's just say it's it's an interesting way to take drugs. <laughs> Use your own imagination. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. So moving right along from that one, uh, you know, John McAfee. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll follow up on that uh, when the time comes. But uh, uh, you know, maybe I'm not on this show. Tune into the periodic table. That's the kind of thing we talk about there. Right. <laughs> All right, so uh, here's another highbrow one, Mark. I thought you might like this. Uh, people have apparently been uh, unliking Mitt Romney in, like, amazing numbers. Well, nobody likes a loser. Right, right. So, uh, and that's just it. After the presidential uh, election, and obviously uh, once it was kind of official that he lost, uh, the number of likes on his page was, like, started taking a nosedive and somebody took note of that and actually made a uh, a website that tracks this stuff. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that that was kind of amazing. I'm trying to look and see. I thought I would have oh, disappearingromney.com. So you can go. I I posted that on Facebook earlier today, but uh, you can go to disappearingromney.com and if you just hang out there for a while. It will actually, it shows a little line. I mean, it's like real time of people unliking his page. And uh, I sat there for about, I don't know, two minutes, and it probably dropped by like 30. Um, it was pretty amazing. So uh, uh, just something funny. And, you know, it amazes me that I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know how to make a page that does that. I guess Facebook must have an API. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah. As if Facebook likes actually mean anything to anyone, including Facebook. Yeah, well, yeah, but I did think that it was kind of a interesting sort of view on our our culture. You know, the well, see, now it's become a meme. Now it's cool to to dislike Romney, right? So that's that's what these people. I'm I'm at the site right now, and it just plummeted like uh, six hundred likes. That's the power of this show. We're talking about it, and bam, it's going down. But no, it's it's just becoming a meme now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm sure there's there's a whole lot of truth in there, right? I mean, just like you said, you know, nobody likes. I don't want to say nobody likes a loser, but they certainly don't want to be associated with one, right? Well, there's really only two things you can do when you run for president and lose. That's run for president again, or become an insurance salesman. That you know, his political options are pretty limited right now. Right, right. You know, ask ask Bob Dole how that worked out for him. Not so much. <laughs> All right. So, shall we get on to the meat of the show? Or you got anything else? Uh, I, I just uh, um, I mentioned this on a couple of other shows. I don't think I've mentioned it on this one, but uh, just an interesting thing happened to me last week. Of course, we, we weren't here last week. I was sick and, I, and, and we missed the show. Uh, thank you, by the way, for your uh, uh, concern and for your uh, showing of support. That was kind of nice. I, I tweeted that I wasn't feeling well. We didn't do a show and come Thursday when the show didn't come out, I, I got uh, quite a few uh, emails and, and some tweets saying, hey, what's up? I hope you're feeling okay. So appreciate that. Uh, but anyway, uh, the week before that, I had an interesting thing happen to me. Uh, and it's one of those things that, you know, being a tech professional, uh, one who is supposed to be, you know, smarter than the average bear in terms of tech, um, 
you know, it's it's uh, hard for me to admit this, but I got fished. Um, really? I did. I uh, my uh, my hosting company, uh, hostmonster.com. Uh, I don't mind giving them a plug. Um, I got an email that looked like it was from them, and, and in all the intelligent way, all the good ways. It looked like it was from them, and it said uh, something to the effect of, your hosting account has exceeded the uh, load for your uh, price structure, which is actually an email I'm expecting to get any day now, because uh, because uh, we're 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 putting a, a pretty big hurt on it. We're uh, slamming them for uh, about six hundred fifty to seven hundred uh, gigabytes of data every month, uh, and on you know a hundred dollar a year shared hosting. I'm expecting that email to come, uh, but this one came in, um, uh, and it's it looked very legit. The link looked legit, and it said, "Click here to check out our hosting plans." So I did what I always tell people to do. I clicked on a link that I wasn't looking for. You should never do that. Just to say, you know, never click on a link unless you went looking for it or you asked for it. If you get one of those things, uh, your bank or whatever, go to the website, log in. And check it out. Don't click on the link. But uh, I checked it out. It looked legitimate. I clicked on it. I was using Google Chrome. Uh, a message popped up in Chrome and said, um, this this link that you've clicked on is a known spam site or, or, or phishing site. Are you sure you want to go there? So I went, oh, okay. So I went back to the email. I did the uh, source view where you could view the source of it. And it was actually some clever Java hack tricks uh, uh, to make the url look like it was from hostmonster.com when it really wasn't it was actually a russian site uh so uh, chrome stopped me from going any farther thank you google um and i did didn't have to uh to endure any pain there but but what probably would have happened what i expect would have happened is i would have gotten to the site the mock-up site and uh, i don't know my password it's something LastPass generated. I literally don't know what it is. Uh, and LastPass would have not fired because it would have said, this isn't the right website. And then it would have raised my hackle. So I had that sort of built-in uh, level of protection there. But use Chrome, it saved me. So, uh, you know, just a, a little object lesson there. It, it was fine and nothing happened. I didn't go anywhere. But I could have been suckered because, you know, even the professionals uh, fall into those traps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great plug for LastPass too, by the way. Uh, you know, I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, but that does offer you that extra level of protection, even in that scenario. Uh, because yeah, Mark, I don't know any. I'm, I know my LastPass master password, and I don't know maybe one or two other random ones that I just happen to memorize. But most of them, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Uh even like for my banking app on my phone, I have to load up the LastPass app, go to the password, hit the copy, and then go and paste it because I don't know what it is. Uh, and I like that. It's a good thing. You could not, you know, put me in a CIA torture chamber and get secrets out of me because I don't know what they are. So it's a good thing. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, uh, thank you, Pete, for uh, for the thanks on that, on the last pass. Uh, and I wish we could claim it, but I know exactly where me and Mark got it, which is via Steve Steve Gibson on Security yeah. Now. It's a great product. Uh, the free product is outstanding. You don't get a lot more for paying for it, but it's 12 bucks a year. Pay for it. Right, right. I mean, they deserve the $12. Right. Yeah. 
All right, okay. so shall we uh, bash some Chromebooks? Uh, you know, let's uh, let's have a uh, even-handed, well-rounded, uh, reasonable debate, uh, and then we'll bash them. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, there's been a lot of news here recently. You know, it seems like all these companies are racing to get out their latest, greatest product, right? I mean, Apple with the iPad mini, and now there's already talks that they're going to have even more iPads and iPhones coming out in 2013 and uh, uh, Windows and even BlackBerry. I mean, it's just everybody's out there. Of course, it's that time of year, right? I mean, everybody needs to be getting their their new device out uh, with the holidays coming up. So Google releases a new Chromebook, and it's made by Acer, which is first, uh, and it's called the C7. Goes on sale tomorrow, uh, which we record on Monday. So uh, November thirteenth, uh, this goes on sale. So if you're listening to the recorded version of the show, uh, it will have already been out for a couple of days. Um, just a couple of interesting things right off the top. It has a HDMI and VGA outputs, uh, which is sort of uh, it's newer than the first the first versions of the Chromebook. The first versions of the Chromebook. Uh, didn't have these types of things, but the current ones do. Um, and then what they uh, are, they they like to call the dual Wi-Fi chip, uh, like it's this great big new thing, but it's in all of the Chromebooks. So. Well, that's for WiMAX, right? Isn't that what that means? Correct. Yeah. Um, Not that anybody uses WiMAX. It was going to be this big thing, all these municipalities setting up uh, Wi-Fi, but it never quite happened. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, I was kind of curious because um, I'll start off with the price point is very low. It's $199. Uh, so, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about Chromebooks. Of course, like you said, Mark, we talked to Jamie Cassip. Uh, they've always sounded a little bit interesting, but they, they also seem to be lacking some very important things, uh, especially when we were talking about using them in education. Um, so uh, the price point was very intriguing. So I went to the site and looked at uh, the, the current offerings in Chromebooks. And this is basically a new sort of lower end Chromebook um, pretty much across the board as far as the stats go. Uh, so there's the C7 that's uh, made by Acer. Then they also have a Samsung and then a Samsung 550. And Mark, you can see in the show notes there uh, what I've listed. Uh, this one, the C7, has an 11.6-inch display. Uh, it's one inch thick, so these things, uh, you know, fairly thin. Um, uh, three pounds, so it's kind of middle of the road as far as the weight goes compared to the other two. Uh, 20 second boot time and it's interesting because you see these models that go this has a 20 second boot time uh, the other two have a 10 second and then under eight second boot time uh, the big difference between these chromebooks is that this one has a, a a regular hard drive a 320 gig hard drive while the other ones have 16 gig ssds so you know it, it seems to be where a, a large part of the price is probably made up, don't you think, Mark? Yeah, SSDs are expensive and right. fast. That's also what makes them super fast. Right. So you know the boot time is is the big thing. But you does know, anybody really care about boot time? I know people like to talk about boot time, but does anybody really care? Yes, I think so. Definitely. Uh, well, Mark, you know, I mean, just working in education, what is the one of the most common complaints out there? These things take forever to boot up. 
Right, but right. once you're once you're under a minute, you know, does it really matter if it's thirty seconds or eight seconds? I I definitely I I have to disagree with you there because I think it does. I mean, I can even appreciate like on a Mac, you know, if you um, and that uh, might yeah, not a Mac fanboy here. Yeah, 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 yeah. But th it is one nice thing. I mean, certainly when you push the button and you know, uh, you know, somewhere between five to ten seconds later, you're you're working. Uh, it's nicer. I mean, it is an improvement. How can you say it's not? Well, I didn't say it was an improvement. I just said it's not a marketing. It's not a bullet point. It just goes to show how uh, ridiculous things have gotten that that's your bullet point. You know, everything is so much the same across the board that we have to talk about boot times now. Right, right. And yeah, we have 50 million pixels while the other guy only has 49.7. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we have a resolution fit for an 84-inch screen. Theirs only looks good on an 82-inch screen. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, but, uh, you know, and I, I read several articles about this new Chromebook, and I saw several references to, you know, how, you know, well, these are really geared towards education. And all I can think of is these guys obviously don't listen to our show. Yeah. Uh, because other than the price point, I don't see it. Uh, it. It's got around a three and a half hour battery life, which is a huge problem in education, right? I mean, that's what uh, teachers will always tell you. They don't want to have to stop and charge these things in the middle of a day. Yeah. Uh, and, and depending on what you're teaching or whatever, but, you know, teachers are constantly being pushed to use technology more and more and more. And if you've got a, a room full of any device that you have to stop at some point in the middle of the day and charge them, uh, that's a huge problem. Uh, so uh, I didn't get that there. Uh, certainly, like I said, the price point was good. But, you know, the the, uh, the the standard hard drive is also questionable to me because, Mark, you know that, right? I mean, you put these devices in the hands of kids, they're going to get bounced around a lot. Yeah. You're going to be replacing a lot of hard drives. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and finish your thing, but then I have a story to tell. Uh, well, no, no, no. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, wanna, I want you to go ahead and do this because this will be a nice little bow to wrap it up at the end. Oh, okay. Very well. Very well. Um, all of the uh, all of the Chromebooks and this one included come with 100 gigabytes of free. Uh, oh, I can't remember G Drive or whatever they call it. Uh, storage for two years. So that's kind of nice too, because I mean, you take that 199 dollar price point, you add in the savings of the of the Google Drive, um, but the extra paid for storage, of course. Um, that's not so bad, but if you've got a, a device that has a 320 gig hard drive, uh, I, I'm not sure how valuable that is to you anymore. I guess it, it you know, it's a backup solution right. uh, for pictures and things. Um, but you know, oh, and I, I, I want to throw this in there too on the drive thing. I actually expected you, Mark, to tell me, you know, well, what do you do after the two years? So I threw that into the show notes. I was anticipating your every move. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, after the two-year cutoff, and this is kind of interesting, you still have full access to your data. You just can't put anything else up there without paying. So that's a pretty cool way to do it, right? I mean, you can still access it. You can still share it. You can, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But uh, you just can't add anything unless you continue to pony up. Which would be a good way to have uh, like a, a lasting student portfolio of work that could stay with that kid forever. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, Mark, that's a great example of why education uh, is so high on Google. Because now you've got kids that they can start uh, in primary uh, 
uh, working in Google Docs and then go all the way through high school and have that whole body of work. You know, but I, that to me seems a little bit over, oversold. I mean, you know, your parents kept all of your cursive writing papers from <laughs> third I mean, it does, is that really a big deal? You know, who, who pulls that out? You know, are you going to go and hand that off to the, to the college uh, entrance guys? You know, the, uh, look what little Timmy wrote when he was in second grade. Right, right. Now, the portfolios like that are useful over a period of five years or less where you can track a student's performance and progression. But after a while, they just become too stale to be relevant. Right, right. So, uh, but either way, uh, this will be available in the U.S. Uh, at the, on the Google Play Store and uh, at BestBuy.com as well as some Best Buy stores. So, uh, if you just got to have one, uh, you can go check it out. I will say that my uh, CDWG rep was telling me that if I held out just a little while longer, that the this new Chromebook was coming and that they would send me one to to kick the tires on. So, um, I may take her up on it just to lay my hands on one. Um, aside from that, I don't see it as a realistic option. I, I agree. It's uh, especially when you start moving up the line. There, you haven't hit pricing yet. Uh, we want to go there, or you want to say something else? Oh well, yeah. I mean, the pricing across the board. Uh, you know, this one's the low end at one hundred ninety-nine. Yeah. Uh, the Samsung, which is you know a little bit thinner, it's got the SSD, which is is a big deal, certainly. Um, uh, but, uh, that one's at 249 and then, you know, you've got sort of their Cadillac, the Samsung 550, uh, which, you know, the, the stats on that one are actually decent, but it's, uh, 449. I mean, why wouldn't you just get a laptop? Exactly. Yeah. So the low, the low, uh, end one, the 199, um, is very similar. Uh, display is bigger to the nexus 7 tablet right so roughly the same price point you're talking about web apps um so it's it's kind of you know it's almost not i don't think they care because they've got two competing point uh, products at the same price range um you've got the 320 gig hard drive which uh, you know in the chat room they're saying why why do you care when you don't have local storage well the new ones do have limited local storage uh, they they've they've listened to that yeah, and you can uh, you can do some limited file browsing as well. Uh, so that has changed slightly. Um, so the next one, the two forty nine, is sort of the sweet spot. Eleven point six inch display, six and a half hour battery life, enough to get you through a school day, uh, and that uh, you know a, a, a dual core processor. That that's kind of the sweet spot. And then the four forty nine one um, is a slight a half inch bigger screen. Um, less battery life, uh, and just more processor. You've got, you know, you've got the, the Intel core processor. Actually, it's not even, is it? It's the other one's a dual. So, uh, yeah, I don't really know what the reason <laughs> that that one costs more is the, um, just because this, the Samsung wanted it to be more. I, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, an odd lineup of tools, frankly. It doesn't really m fit any niche well. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of references to, well, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, you want to give your mom something because all she does is surf the web and maybe you, you know, like my mom, I set my mom or I made, I, it was a fight, but I got my mom to transition away from all the like Yahoo and MSNs and all that 
crap and uh, got her transitioned over to Google products and she's loving it, right? Uh, for all the same reasons that a grandmother might like Facebook or whatever. She, it's easy for her kids to share pictures and photos and albums with her and things like that. So she's really starting to get it. Uh, so, you know, maybe I could give her a device like this where all she's going to be doing is surfing the web and accessing not so much Google Docs, but she is starting to use Google Docs, but uh, certainly uh, all of the photo sharing uh, in there. So, but if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it on the lower end or like you said, that middle one, the Samsung, just the standard Samsung, uh, seems like probably the, the best device to go with. But if you're cheap, and uh, I did see this argument made uh, in one of the forums, uh, somebody was talking about, well, we're all tech snobs and, you know, we can afford uh, decent devices. You know, there is that portion of the population that's going to need cheap. Right. And what they're not telling you here, though, is if you're using it in an education or a corporate environment, you have to pay per device for the back end management. Uh, and they're dodgy on that pricing. It's one of those things, you know, call for pricing information. Uh, but that's, you know, somewhere between 3 and $6 per unit is the, the numbers I've seen. So if you've got um, a fleet of, you know, say 500 of these, that's $6 each. That's $3,000 a year you're paying for the privilege of having these machines connected to your Google Apps for domains. So that's, that's a hidden cost there that, that is uh, hidden for a reason. Right, and I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because that is something to consider. I mean, if you're going to really dive deep into these, uh, a lot of that savings that you get up front is going to get uh, eaten away, and it's going to be eaten away over time too, right? I mean, right. you're <laughs> every yeah, because year that that yearly thing never goes away for as long as you have that machine. Now you can swap out new ones, you can decommission machines, and you could bring new ones in. But whatever your active fleet of machines is, you're paying that every year, right? Well, and that's why, you know, even though uh, this this certainly isn't, I mean, it, it's kind of hard. I wanted to talk about it because the price certainly says, hey, Tightwad approved, right? But uh, you can't just go, uh, you know, by price alone. And uh, I still just don't get it. I just don't get these devices. I don't see uh, where they're really a good fit in either corporate or uh, education. Maybe there's some unique job out there that, uh, you know, that this actually does fit to, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. And it's certainly not in education, not K to 12, at least. Okie Jason in the chat room asked the question, is there an upgrade charge for new Chromebooks after three years or, or is there some program there? Um, and that dovetails in with the, the story that I was going to tell, uh, back in April of this year, when I was still in the education world, my how time flies. Uh, I went to uh, a seminar. I was at a, at a. I was asked to speak at a thing. Anyway, I was there. One of the sessions I was, uh, I went to was a two-hour session on Google Chromebooks in the classroom, presented by Google. Actual representatives, employees of the company who came out from California to do this thing for these Texas uh, decision makers. Um, and these questions that we asked, like that one they didn't have answers to. They kept saying, we're working on that. So now that was six months ago, uh, eight months ago. So things might have, have changed um, and they may have answers to them yet, but at the time they didn't. But here's what, in an unguarded moment, one of the actual employees of Google said, uh, talking about this new line of laptops that was coming. 
Uh, somebody said, you know, uh, are there, there are new laptops coming out? Should we wait to buy the new ones? And his answer was, actually, you shouldn't buy the new ones because they're faster processors, bigger screens, which means shorter battery life and more expensive hardware, and all you're doing is web apps. You don't need that processor, but the corporate market has driven that because they're checkbox oriented and they want a checkbox that says it has the latest processor and a and an expensive uh, SSD in it but you don't need it. He was encouraging people to do all their buying before the upgrades because the upgrades were less functional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a good point. I mean, what how much do you need there? I I actually think it's kind of funny because uh, it kind of goes back to what we said before, Mark, where we were talking about, you know, how much do you add? Because I, I, what I, in researching for this show, I kind of went back and read over the evolution of these Chromebooks because uh, there's actually been quite an evolution now from the very first one that came out. Yeah, initially it was, it's a web browser. Isn't that awesome? It's super simple. And then it was, well, let's add some stuff to it. Right, right. And, and that's essentially it. And like you said, now they're, they're upping specs and they're, you know, they're adding uh, a whole lot more USB ports and HDMI out and VGA out and all this kind of stuff. That's all interesting, but it's kind of like, well, you know, there seem to sort of be blurring the line there, but the OS still, you know, it's like, well, it's a laptop, but, but it's not as good as a laptop. Right. <laughs> so uh, we're yeah. going to make it cost the same as a laptop and have the same specs as a laptop, but not let you do the same things as a laptop. Right. So doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know what else doesn't make sense to me, Mark? Blackberry. Blackberry and Windows. <laughs> I, I'm starting to wonder why they, they keep trying to make phones anymore. Uh, <laughs> and Blackberry is actually, it's a soft spot in my heart. I mean, I'm, I'm, Sorry to see them go, kind of the same way I was with Palm, but I, I think they're going. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the two companies I loved, Palm and BlackBerry, are, are traveling down the same road. Uh, they, right. they were at the top of their game, and they refused to innovate. Now, uh, RIM is sinking all their hopes on the new BlackBerry OS ten. They're saying that this is it. This is the one that's going to save the company. It's going to bring everybody back. All those people who left for Android and iOS, iOS, they're coming back. We'll see. Right. Right. Just like Palm's the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that Palm Prey was supposed to save the company. Not so much. Right. So uh, I, I guess they've been, uh, you know, they've been hinting at they were going to come out with a new, uh, a new OS, and it was supposed to be before the end of the year, and uh, they kept pushing the date back. So finally, uh, and they've been getting actually some heat about it. So finally, they actually set a date. So January thirtieth, twenty thirteen, uh, in what they're calling a quote unquote uh, worldwide release, I think is what or worldwide event, uh, something. Uh, I guess if I say quote unquote, I should be prepared with the actual <laughs> with word. the quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So uh, you know, we can look forward to that. Uh, again, I have a soft spot in my heart. I had. I had a BlackBerry. My first BlackBerry was the uh, basically it was like a text messaging pager. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. When I, I worked, do. In yeah. I mean, it was to my knowledge, uh, it was the, probably one of the the first BlackBerry devices. 
Uh, I remember getting it, and it was uh, I was an executive. All the executives in the company got this, so it was a digital chain, so to speak. Uh, they can make sure they can get a hold of us at any time. Yeah, it was just a it was like a oversized pager that uh, you could just sort of you. Oh, I, I think it was uh, you could read text messages, text type stuff, and uh, I think maybe even emails at that time. I'm not sure. Uh, so I, you know, had BlackBerry devices for a long time. Uh, um, when I started working in education, had a BlackBerry, loved it, loved that keyboard. Um, it was, it was hard to transition away from the keyboard and I still kind of miss it every now and then, you know, every time I mistype, uh, on my Android, uh, I miss that BlackBerry keyboard. Yeah. But the hardware has just sucked. Um, I know that, the uh, the company is sinking all their hopes into this new OS, and certainly the OS needs to be updated, but the hardware really took a nosedive uh, when around the time of the the like the curve eighty three hundred, where everything just went just went down. Um, and I, people aren't jumping ship because of the software. I'm sure that's part of it, but it's because of the hardware. You know, I'm 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 a corporate fat cat now uh, instead of uh, an education guy, and, and the company I work for, like probably. Most companies in the world, not just in America, uh, if you get a company phone, it's a BlackBerry because they can control it, right? They can set up their own BES server. They can manage it. It's secure. Uh, you can't control an iPhone like that. You can't control an Android like that. Windows is is uh, promising that, but it it's hasn't been delivered yet. Uh, and so, you know, people who I, you know, who just got new phones just in the last couple of months that I work with, uh, already don't work, you know, new out of the box. And like five days later, the little trackpad stops working. Uh, the hardware is the problem. And if they're sinking all their hopes into this new OS, thinking that's going to change everything, it's not going to help if the hardware is still crap. I agree. I agree. Yeah. That's what I was, I was kind of curious as I put these last two items in here. Uh, now that you're back in corporate America, I was wondering, I mean, have they, have they issued you a phone, uh, or do they have a preference? Or, or I, I guess you said BlackBerry, right? So yeah, I'm I am I'm too far down on the ladder to get a phone. Uh, only actually one of my coworkers got a phone, and the only way he managed to do that is by shutting off his personal phone. And it was like, you're, you're not going to call me. I'm not going to do work. I don't. I no longer have a phone. I've shut off my cell phone. If you want me, you got to buy me a phone. So. They bought him a BlackBerry. He hates it, wishes he had kept his old iPhone. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, you kind of get what you ask for sometimes. But it's uh, a brand new out of the box, not more than a, a week old. It stopped working. Uh, and I had that experience back when I was a BlackBerry user. I was returning them left and right. Finally got one that lasted a few months. Uh, but they were, they're just, whatever their supply chain issue is, it, it's not a new thing. It's been a problem for the last several years. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and uh, I was right there along with you. It seemed like the last few years, uh, their hardware just went really down the tubes. Yeah. So, um, and speaking of down the tubes, uh, <laughs> Windows, the Windows 8 phone uh, uh, is, uh, I guess, soon to be released as well. Uh, let's see uh, if I can find it here. Uh, yeah, well, they they released the Windows 8 Surface RT tablet. Somebody really needs to talk to them about how to name a product. 
Right. Uh, but you've got Windows 8. It was there. And then you've got Windows 8 RT. And then you've got Windows 8 RT Surface. And then Windows 8 Phone. Holy crap. Get, get with right. the program, people. Uh, and I understand their idea is to, to say it's just Windows. Whatever platform you're on, it's just Windows. Which is great. Until you try to run a Windows program on your Windows tablet and can't. And then you have to explain to somebody, well, it's not really Windows. It's a different version of Windows. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, and it's interesting because uh, the the article that uh, the main article that I read here was off of uh, CNN Money, believe it or not. But uh, you know, th- they were interviewing uh, oh, the rep from Windows. Uh, I don't think it was uh, anything anybody super notable, but they basically were making the point, uh, and they compared it to the Xbox. How the Xbox was not profitable for the first several years that it was out. And uh, I think it came out in 2002, no, 2001, um, and didn't turn profitable until 2008. And this is the way that Microsoft is treating this line of devices. They do not anticipate these devices being profitable for several years. So they're just going to, we're going to have to get used to them plugging away and, and trying to convince us that these are awesome devices. Well, here's the difference. The Xbox was awesome the day it was released. The Xbox 360 was better than that. So it was, yeah, it was not profitable, but it was good. It was as good as everything on the market, better than a lot of things on the market. And I haven't heard anybody say that about Windows 8 on any platform yet. Um, I'm, you know, I'm hearing mixed, mixed reviews there. Uh, uh, certainly uh, have heard some nice things about Windows 8, particularly on the mobile devices. Um, they seem to like the interfaces. I haven't heard a whole lot about the hardware, though, and, you know, if the hardware uh, is nice, reliable, you know, whatnot. But uh, they seem to like the interface. I've heard that uh, I think Windows Phone has like a 3% share of the market, uh, but that 3% actually rate their devices very highly. Yeah. Um, I only Because know- they all work for Microsoft. Right. Well, I know one, I know one Windows Phone owner, and, and he swears by the thing. Um, but you know, I also, I watch him like using it and it, it looks like he's from another planet. I mean, it's still, I mean, you know, we've, we've become accustomed to how these devices should work and, uh, and it's, it's different. I mean, it just is. So, uh, but you know, again, there's the whole corporate side, right? So Mark, I don't know if you use Outlook, do you use the Microsoft products at work? (sighs) Yes. Right. I thought I remember you complaining about Outlook. Uh, so, you know, if that's your world, then maybe, you know, there is a place for these devices. I mean, right. Your, your company is surely probably going to want you to have either a Blackberry or a Windows phone if they're going to hand you one, uh, probably again for those control issues. So, uh, right. They're, they're just going to have to develop those things. And, and if they're out there, they're not being well advertised, the, these enterprise controls. If, if the Windows 8 phones and tablets uh, have those BlackBerry-esque enterprise controls, I think that's a no-brainer. Microsoft will take off and, and will dominate the business market. Right, right. Uh, which, again, kind of ties these two together because I still, you know, if I had to put on my, my big hat, you know, and rub the crystal ball... Um, I'm thinking BlackBerry falls by the wayside and Microsoft sort of slides back in there where they're used to being right in the, in the business world and uh, maybe having somewhat of a corner on the, the business cell phone market. 
And there's room for all of them. Yeah, let me know when uh, when you get issued your new Windows phone. Yeah, I'll get uh, I'll get right to work on that. I, uh, interesting. I read an article last week. I think it was. It's all a blur. Um, you know who's a fan of the Windows Eight? Uh, you can't call it Metro anymore. Interface. Johnny Ive, the design guru at Apple, uh, says that it's a good interface, well designed, beautiful, and uh, some looks you know something he would have been proud to design. So that's that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I've heard some some good things about it. So, you know, maybe it will work out that way. So uh, you can tell all your friends, you know, eight years down the road, you you heard it here first. That's right. <laughs> all right, that's all I got, Mark. That was an interesting um, bit of news roundup. No one particular topic, but certainly all things germane to the world today. Windows 8 is the big question mark right now you know in uh, uh corporate world but also very much in education there uh, a lot of schools are still moving to windows 7 uh and then windows 8 is coming down the line and it's so vastly different you you're, you're looking at different hardware requirements you're looking at different training um and we we're getting asked on a fairly regular basis when are you guys going to cover windows 8 when are you guys going to do a windows 8 st- uh, uh show and the answer is when we have some expertise on it because we don't, uh, but we do have uh, a user uh, lined up who uh, hopefully will be on in the next few weeks who has been using Windows 8 since the early beta and will give us you know some actual um, boots on the ground experience. And he's also a tightwad, so he'll give us a you know the tightwad perspective on it. So uh, you guys can stop asking. Uh, it the best we can do is coming, uh, and of course in in the months to come when we get our hands on Windows 8 and actually using it. And on a regular basis, we'll certainly talk about it. But right now, it's uh, it's just sort of this big uh, mythical being in the sky that nobody really knows anything about yet. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, all you can think about, I know the way I look at it is I think about that interface and being presented, it, it's just one more, like there's one more barrier to my desktop, you know, before right. I get that Metro interface. So our guest, and I won't give too much away, but he has some uh, good advice uh, when it comes to that. Uh, so hopefully I can get him on the show. You know, that's the funny thing, Mark. Okay, I want to say, I want to just let you all know out there as you're listening to this, if you're going to put your hand up in the air. Be prepared to be called on. <laughs> right, right. Because I've done it a couple of times now in the past few weeks and people are like, yeah, yeah, I know a whole lot about that, whatever. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's get you on the show. And then I don't hear back from him again. Crickets, chirping. <laughs> It's right. So I don't know if maybe they just really, you know, maybe I should just throw that out there. Okay, you don't want to be on the show. Fine. Help me develop the show notes, put the words in our mouths, and we'll we'll do the show without you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what I need to do. <laughs> you need to hire a military consultant. That's what you need to do. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Anyway, if you're going to put your hand up in there in the air, and we certainly do appreciate it. Uh, be prepared to be called on because uh, you'll be getting an email from me more more than likely. And the best way you can put your hand up in the air is to go to elementop.com, click on the contact us link at the top of the page, or hop in the forums and uh, make a post there. Sean and I both read those. Or if you'd like to be on the show in your own voice, but don't want to go through all the hassle of actually being interviewed, you can do that uh, through the uh, leave us a voicemail widget at the top of the page, enter your phone number, Google Voice will call you, and you can leave us a message, and we will uh, play it on the air. So uh, those are three ways 
that you can make your voice heard, uh, be it a suggestion for a show, uh, be it a volunteer to be on the show, uh, or just random nonsense. We like random nonsense too. So we'll take it all. So um, as we've said now for 111 previous episodes, uh, your feedback is important to us. Not only important, but it really is the the fuel that drives the engine of the show. Uh, We need you to tell us how we're doing. We need you to tell us what you want to hear. So uh, without without you, we uh, you know we we're going to produce content, but it may not be the content you want to hear if you don't tell us. So uh, feedback is not only uh, uh, encouraged; it's really it's critical. So uh, make that happen. Also, while we're talking feedback, I would encourage you uh, the next time you're uh, in the iTunes store for whatever reason. Hop on over to the Element OP listing there. Give us a rating. Give us a comment. Um, and that would be a good thing. Yeah, I've been a lot nicer to Apple the last six months or so. They, they, <laughs> should, they should bump us up there as a... <laughs> like they would have never recommended us before, right? I've been nicer. I've been... Yeah. Well, there's uh, the, the sectors we're in, technology and education, are both very crowded. So it's going to take every one of our listeners to go to iTunes and rate us and make a comment for anybody, for Apple to take notice. Uh, it's a very crowded market and, and you know, we need to, to be up there. But I think that we, you know, offer something that nobody else does in both the education and in the, the technology arena. So hopefully our content is worth you going and give us and giving us a rating. Uh, so rates, ratings are good. Comments are better. Uh, positive comments and ratings are the best. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Jason says, Sean, are you using a MDM for your iPads and MDM? Uh, oh wait, it was a device manager. Uh, I've looked at Meraki. Or Mirakai. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've looked at that, but I don't have enough. Uh, I don't have enough right now. Uh, I've only got uh, maybe 14 or 15 in the entire district at this point. So um, I know that that can do a lot more, but I'm thinking that it's probably going to be outside of my budget as well. Just guessing. Haven't had a, any quotes or anything, but uh, just guessing. And if I get there, well, uh, let's see. Okie okay, Jason says he uses that. So uh, you, maybe you need to come on the show and, and give us a little bit more information about that. Uh, I'm mostly uh, concerned with price, and I'm not sure as much as everybody talks about how great it is um, and all the stuff that it can do. Uh, the better it sounds, the more I'm thinking I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, If it's good, it must be expensive. Maybe not. Right. right. But maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, I guess before I throw that out there, and I know you thought it was coming, uh, you can find me at Sean TX on Twitter. Look me up on Facebook or send me an email, Sean at elementopi.com. Uh, Wait, and before, I would, before you say it, while I'm uh, throwing out shilling there, uh, go over to right. Facebook and like us there too. Element OP, Facebook.com slash Element OP. Sounds good. All now right. you can say it. Now I can say this was another great show. All right. And having had the official blessing of the Kybel, the, uh, <laughs> the, the holy water has been sprinkled. There's nothing more we can do but say goodnight because anything else added to the show would only make it go downhill from here. So I'm just simply going to say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>